What the heck is up, guys? It is currently 11.36 p.m. Thursday night. This podcast comes out in nine-ish hours. We're thriving. It's okay. It's great. Um, Today, I'm crocheting the beginning of this frog that I'm making. Obviously, I'm making it if I'm crocheting it. Oh, I probably should take my hands off the desk. That's probably making noises. Anyways, um, the frog, the start of it is essentially just me single crocheting in a round over and over again so I don't have to pay attention and it's amazing but we are also um working on adding enamel pins to the merch site I think I said that last time too um but yeah just keep an eye out for that I guess um so yeah grab grab a snack grab a drink I said that in the wrong order grab a drink grab a snack grab your projects and let's get into this um, this case that we're talking about today does deal with a lot of abuse and child ne- abuse and neglect, to be, like, exact. So if that's something that you don't think that you can handle hearing right now, totally get it, dude. I'll see you next week. Um, it's fine. I get it. So, oh yeah, I didn't even say what we were doing. Okay, today we're going to be talking about Jean- Jeannie Wiley, the Pharaoh child. Uh, we are not starting stuttering already. That's not going to happen. Jeannie Wiley, the Pharaoh child. So, on November 4th in 1970, a social worker in Los Angeles, California discovered Jeannie Wiley. Uh, This is a fake name to protect her true identity because you'll learn later on that people weren't very nice to Jeannie. Um, Jeannie was a 13-year-old girl who had come along with her mother to escape her own marriage, but the social worker thought that Jeannie needed much more help than her mother did. So, to dive deeper into the story and understand the background of where Jeannie came from and what her family was like, I'm going to read a little bit uh, that I pulled from an article written about, or written by Jeannie's brother. So, her brother's name was John, and John Wiley also did not have that great of a life. Um, When he was six years old, he watched his grandma get hit by a car, a truck to be exact, while they were standing in line to get ice cream. His grandma had taken him in because she didn't think that her son... Um, so John's father and his wife could take proper care of a child and she had been his guardian since the age of four. So two of John's older siblings had passed away mysteriously, that's in air quotes, as infants and his older sister died at two months old after crying, after her crying as a normal baby does, made her father Clark wrap her in a blanket and leave her in the garage. Yep. And then John's older brother died shortly after birth from a, another air quotes, mucus problem. Yeah, okay. Um, Although John wasn't hit by the truck that killed his grandmother, he had to return back to the home that he was rescued from. The home with his mentally ill, blind mother, and his extremely controlling and abusive father. It's great. His father kept blaming him for the death of his grandmother, and six-year-old John actually believed that it was his fault. Um, So the father, Clark Wiley, was born on the 29th of March in 1901, making him an Aries, and he was actually born by the name Pearl Wiley, Uh, but later on in school, he was teased for having a girl's name, so he changed it to Clark. And Clark ended up marrying Dorothy Irene Og... I I don't know. O-G-L-E-S-B-Y. Oglesby? I don't know. They married in 1944, and the couple went on to have four kids. And Dorothy was in an accident when she was a child that left her neurologically impaired and blind in her left eye. 
and the injuries due to this accident were degenerative, so every day she would be getting, like, worse and worse, you know? Anyways, back to the four kids. So, two of these kids died from the causes that I stated earlier, and the other two were John and Jeannie. So, after Clark's mother was hit by the truck at the ice cream shop, Clark and his family actually moved into her house immediately, but her bedroom was not to be touched. So, in Clark's early childhood, he actually resented his mother a lot and hated her for giving him a girly name and also for never being around the house because I'm pretty sure she ran a brothel or something. Um, we don't know. Um, but when he was older, he actually bonded with her and the two grew an almost inappropriate relationship. Um, which was really weirdly normal back then, like the Oedipus complex, it, I guess it didn't really exist, um, or it did, but it was just so normal that it didn't. So Clark didn't want the family interacting with anyone and didn't want any noise in the house either, and he often sat with a gun in his lap, just to scare everyone into obeying, because that's what people did back then, I don't know. Um, right out of the gate, the marriage between Dorothy and Clark was bad. He was an alcoholic, he hit her, he verbally abused her and her children, and the abuse only caused Dorothy's disability to get worse and worse, which made her depend on him even more each day, which is perfect in this- it's a perfect situation in the eyes of the abuser because they know that they can get you to a point where you can't leave, um, no matter how much they hurt you, whether it be physically or emotionally slash mentally, um, they'll just keep hurting you because they know they have you right where they want you. It's- yeah, we love it. Not really. If you're in an abusive relationship, get out. Call me. I'll pick you up. I got you. Um, every time the children would die, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably from Clark's own hands, Clark would actually blame Dorothy for it. And finally, when they had John and he survived, Clark was actually enraged that John was doing what babies do, cry. Um, and he told Dorothy not to comfort John when he cried and to not talk to him even when he was hungry because he hadn't eaten for days. Yeah. Um, basically damaging this super critical bonding time in John's life, and I'm honestly surprised that he didn't turn out to be a serial killer himself. You, you watch these things, you listen to these podcasts, you know exactly what I mean. By the time John was four years old, he actually couldn't speak that much, which was super alarming, because by four, kids should be much more advanced than John was, like, yeah, kids develop at their own rate and all, but not speaking at all by four, that's pretty alarming. Um, this is when the grandmother came in and took John away from Clark and Dorothy, because she was like, hey, uh, your kid should be talking, and he's not. You're doing something wrong. Um, and you might hear Dorothy be called Irene also. That was her middle name, but she kind of went by it. I don't know. Um, they're the same person. Don't get confused. Old stories like this names and facts are a little twisted um but with the grandmother john actually flourished and he could speak so well just even a year later um and a year later when john was five dorothy got pregnant again and had Jeannie, a little girl except that wasn't her name her name was something else but we call her Jeannie. She had a dislocated hip at birth, causing her to need a splint for the first year of her life, and this also caused her to not be able to walk until much later than normal children would. And because of this, Clark thought that she was a burden and a waste. Because Clark needed some help. Um, yeah, I know. I hate him too, but it gets so much worse. So he started telling everybody that Jeannie was actually mentally disabled, which made it justified in his head to not pay attention to her. Um, he basically told everybody to stop talking to her because she wouldn't understand anyways. 
okay dude um but yeah i'm not done talking about the room situation like the whole don't touch my mom's room thing uh after the grandma died and clark blamed his son for it and they moved into her house and whatever the house the house yes it has two rooms um it's a two-bedroom house one of those rooms is the grandma's room that they weren't allowed to touch and clark demanded that it be left alone because he's weird and obsessed with his mom uh just kidding people are allowed to grieve in their own ways just it's kind of weird dude um but the other bedroom and the, the only bedroom left it got turned into genie's room so genie is the only one of the room and the rest of the members of the family all slept downstairs in the living room or something i don't know uh clark would sleep on the recliner or couch in the living room and dorothy would sleep on a dining room chair and john the six-year-old would sleep on the floor but genie being the only one with the room it's it's not as fine and dandy as it seems um it's not great at all actually so the only things in her room were a crib and a children's potty chair like the ones with the toilet seat and a hole for them to poop and pee in yeah nothing else just a crib and that um and some blackout curtains so that she couldn't tell when it was day day or night by clark's own demand uh no one was allowed to talk to genie no one was allowed to let her out of the room and the only time that people were allowed to actually go in the room was to change her diaper which was not often and give her food which was the smallest amount possible to keep her alive during the day clark would take genie out of the crib and strap her onto the potty chair so that she couldn't move or stand and that's where she would stay until he was ready to put her back into her crib and even when she was in her crib she couldn't stand up because he would put a metal sheet over the top of the crib um basically just like preventing her from getting out or standing um, he also added a wooden plank to the corner of the room eventually, which was used to beat her if she made him angry. Yeah, I can't make this up. Um, so she never stood for 13 years. She was only fed baby food for 13 years. When she was eventually rescued, she had two sets of teeth because her baby teeth never fell out. Um, your baby teeth mainly fall out from you chewing solid foods, but she only received baby food, so she literally did not know how to chew and had two sets of teeth um later on doctors actually claimed that genie had genie been raised by wolves or bears or ostriches like other feral children she actually would have been better off than being raised by her own father which is extremely sad um super heartbreaking i can't even think about that for too long or it makes me very angry um but yes she was fed baby food but if she didn't eat it fast enough clark would smear it all over her face and then beat her with that wood plank um and sometimes dorothy would sneak into the room to bring genie more food but was so afraid of clark that she wouldn't talk to genie she would just sneak her the food feed it to her and get out clark actually started dealing with paranoia a little bit before his mother died and his mother death his mother's death just made it worse because he was like people are out to get me they're out oh i just rung the gong nope um that was a bowl that i put my yarn in so that it doesn't roll all over the ground when I'm crocheting. Um, where was I? I don't know. He was basically like, people are out to get me. They're out to get my family. Um, and then his mother gets hit by a, a car. So yeah, you can imagine how that helped his paranoia. Uh, but it eventually got so bad that when John would return from school each day, which was the only place that he was actually allowed to go outside of the house to school, uh, when he would come back, he would have to verify his identity with his father before entering the house yeah a grade schooler coming to the house and being like yo i'm john and i'm your son 
Um, Clark actually kept a journal of things that he was doing to protect his family, air quotes, and dripping with sarcasm. But it was literally just a documentation of all the abuse he was putting them through. Um, you know, I don't know if he genuinely thought that he was protecting them, but I think he did. I really think that he genuinely thought that he was protecting them from whatever he was making up in his mind, what's going to happen to them. Um, but the family wasn't allowed to talk at all, and Jeannie never heard words because of this. She also had nothing to focus her eyes on, so she couldn't really see things that weren't right in front of her face, and she wasn't born, like, she wasn't born with bad vision. This was all just from not being able to see anything except for her father's face inches away from hers feeding her. Um, in fact, most of the neighbors actually thought that the kid, or the child, mm, yep, mm -hmm. the neighbors thought that the family had one child. They didn't even know Jeannie existed because she literally did not leave that room for 13 years and they never spoke. So on top of all of these ailments that were caused by the abuse that her father put her through, Jeannie was also unable to control her bowel movements and bladder because she never had to. She was strapped to the potty chair. She never had to learn how to control her bladder. Um, but eventually when John turned 18, he ran away from the house and fled the abuse and Dorothy and Jeannie were both stuck in the home with Clark. Dorothy was practically completely blind at this point. Um, she knew that she had to get out now or never. So she decided to grab Jeannie and run to her parents' house. And for some reason they weren't alarmed by the state of Jeannie's health. So Dorothy ended up going to apply for disability since she couldn't work a job because of her neurological problems. Um, and she took Jeannie with her to go to the office to apply for it. And thankfully, a social worker was there and noticed how Jeannie was walking like super strangely, you know, probably because she hadn't walked for 13 years. I just, just a shot in the park. I don't know. I just 100% said shot in the park when I meant to say shot in the dark. Yep. It's midnight. The social worker tried talking to Jeannie, and then Dorothy uh, informed her that Jeannie was 13 years old. And the social worker was like, no. No, she's literally not 13 years old. Um, but thankfully, she called the police, since Jeannie was like 58 pounds or something super scary like that. Um, and Jeannie was taken to the hospital, and the doctors could clearly see that there was some form of abuse or neglect happening. So both Clark and Dorothy got arrested. And the doctor started running all kinds of tests on Jeannie because she looks like that at 13 years old. Um, and Dorothy just starts spilling everything that has been happening over the past 13 years. And in the meantime, a team of excellent doctors and therapists were put together to start helping Jeannie work on things like her bladder control, her speech, her mobility, chewing, since she never had anything but baby food. Um, and doctors calculated that although Jeannie was physically 13, she was mentally and developmentally a 13-month-old baby. Yeah. Um, oh, and get this. She did not have any disabilities. Like, she- this was all caused from abuse. She had no disabilities at all. But we already knew that. So, while working with Jeannie, they noticed that she didn't view humans and objects separately, so, like, you and I, when we see a human, we recognize them, like, as a human. Like, I see Matthew's face, and I'm like, yes, that's Matthew. Um, when we see a coffee mug, we're like, yeah, that's a coffee mug. When we see an animal, we're like, yep, that's that's my dog, you know. Um, everything was the same to Jeannie. 
even her own mother's face, it was the same to her as like a cup of water. Like she couldn't recognize that humans were humans and objects were objects. They were all the same thing to her. Um, she also couldn't speak, obviously, but she wouldn't even make sounds, um, like grunting, you know, like babies will make like noises at least. But if she needed to get someone's attention, she would pick up something and tap it against something else to make the noise. Um, so say she had a I don't know, a cup of water or a bottle of water, instead of going like, mm, to get someone's attention, she would take that bottle of water and hit it on the desk a couple times to get them to look at her. Um, so she wasn't doing like any grunting or, I don't know, does that make sense? Like babies, they, they make noises. Jeannie didn't even try to make noises. Um, they were trying some kind of experiment to see what sounds she would react to, and she ended up finding or they ended up finding that she was terrified of animal noises. And when they asked Dorothy why she was so afraid of cat and dog noises in particular, she said that sometimes Clark would pretend to be a wild animal going ballistic on her while he was beating her. He would pretend to be a wild animal while beating his daughter. It's so sad. She was scared of animal noises because it reminded her of the abuse that her father inflicted on her. Um, she had no sense of body language or facial expressions, but when they called her by her name, she did recognize that, so they could tell that she knew what her name was. Um, and when doctors would be talking to her, she would literally not understand that they were talking to her, but she would look at them when they say her name. So, if a doctor was like, hey, go grab that bottle of water, she would just look at them and not realize that they were talking to her, but if they were like, hey, Jeannie. She would turn her head and look at them. I don't know. Does this make sense? It's so late. Um, I lost my spot, so we're gonna sing until I find it. Okay, so get this. It's really sad, this next part. Um, while they were running tests and doing different therapies on her to teach her how to be a normal human. I don't like saying that, but you know what I mean. She actually started to display really inappropriate sexual behaviors, which made the doctors believe that there was more than likely a sexual aspect to the abuse that her father put her through because she didn't know any of these other behaviors, you know? She was taught. She had to have been taught that. She didn't know how to chew. Why would she know how to be sexual? She was taught that. Dorothy denied it, but she was obviously taught that. <sighs> Thankfully, Jeannie was making some great progress at the hospital. Um, she started to say small words and was walking better and started to express fear and happiness. But the way that Jeannie started showing signs of fear and happiness would be like when her doctors would come into the room, she would show signs of happiness and then try to prevent them from leaving when it was time for them to go. Um, so it just showed that she was, you know, she was forming some kind of bond. She was attaching herself to people. And she also started to use the restroom by herself and gain control of her bladder. So she was becoming aware of when she needed to use the restroom instead of just going because she had been strapped to a potty chair for the first 13 years of her life. Um, she also showed curiosity and learning new things and ended up making such great progress that she was ready to leave the hospital and start learning from the comfort of a home. Not her own home, obviously, but a home. So a doctor from the hospital ended up taking her home to foster her and help her learn and bring her to all of her appointments and stuff. Um, but it's not as nice as it sounds. So this doctor ended up doing this for their own malicious intent and the doctor started started to refuse all the other doctors seeing Jeannie 
um, all while keeping a nice fat stack of notes on her. Basically, the doctor was trying to write a book and get rich and famous off of Jeannie's story, and they did that by preventing all the other doctors from seeing her so nobody else would be able to tell as true of a story as that doctor had, um, which is so sad. Like, this world failed her over and over and over, and you'll see later on in the story there's more failure. It doesn't, it doesn't get better, I'll tell you right now. So they were thankfully able to get Janie out of that doctor's care and into a CPS worker's home who had a degree in human development and had no prior connection to Jeannie before Jeannie came into her home. Um, so they were able to care for her how she needed them to care for her. And she ended up staying with them for four years, even though it was supposed to be a temporary, like, few month solution until they found her a good foster home. But during her time there, Jeannie was actually able to start talking about the abuse she went through which proved to the doctors that she did have the ability to retain information and learn. And obviously she couldn't speak well, but this is what she ended up saying. So this is like the words that she construed together. She said, father hit arm, big wood, genie cry. Not spit, father hit face. Spit, father hit big stick, father is angry. Father hit genie, big stick. Father take peace wood, hit cry, father make me cry, and father is dead. So that last part probably made y'all jump like, hold up, what, huh? But after the parents were arrested, Dorothy was let go because she they realized like she didn't take part in the abuse. She was being abused. Um, but obviously Clark was the abuser and that was apparent. Um, so they went to go get Clark from his house one day when he didn't show up for his court hearings and they found him dead. He had killed himself because he's a coward. Um, say it with me, friends. Clark is a coward. I just hit my desk. Sorry, probably heard that. Um, but this is, that's why she said, like, father's dead, because she knew that he had died. Um, but this just shows that she remembers what she went through, and that she knows how badly she was abused. And she was able to understand that her father was no longer alive. Um, so this gets sad again. Buckle in. It's all bad. It's all bad. Um, after Jeannie moved out of the amazing CPS worker's house, after four years of great care and progress, she went through a series of foster care homes that just once again abused her over and over, diminishing all of the progress that she had made in the CPS worker's home. So she went through abuse, was saved, made a ton of progress, and then was abused again for several years, which took away her ability to talk and basically just about everything else that she had learned in that CPS worker's care. Um, when her team of doctors found this out, they made a huge scene, which is good. They claimed that if they had the funding that they deserved, they would have been able to keep Jeannie in their custody at the hospital, which would have let her thrive in their care and learn so much more. And that because they couldn't help her and she just went right back into the life that they were trying to save her from, or they couldn't help her. And that's why she went back into the life that they were trying to save her from. Um, all that's true, you know, <laughs> a lot of our funding in this world does not go to the right places. But they were heard, thankfully, and they ended up getting her placed into an undisclosed care facility where they knew that she would get the right care she needed. So in this care facility, um, nobody was allowed to see her except for her mom and her team of doctors. Um, I just lost my spot again. I'm sorry, I suck. Uh, oh yeah, and you're gonna hate me because that's about all we know of her now. Um, as of right now, she is thought to still be alive in that care facility, but nobody actually knows her true identity, except for her case name, which is Jeannie Wiley. Um, so nobody can look her up in the records, and 
We also don't know which care facility it's at. It's an undisclosed one. But people have been really good about not releasing her true name, which is good. That that should stay that way. Uh, but it's out there if you look really hard for it. I suggest you don't. It's disrespectful. But I know some of you are curious. That's okay, too. Um, her mother ended up passing away in 2001, I think. And her brother died shortly after, um, at a pretty young age, actually. Um, he, he ended up only seeing her once after she had recovered and never saw her again. But, you know, he was probably dealing with a lot on his own, if we're being completely honest. He went through just about the same amount of abuse as she did. Maybe not in the same way, but abuse is abuse. It, it's bad no matter what. Um, but yeah, that's the case of Jeannie Wiley. Feral children amaze me i don't know like earlier when i said um bears wolves ostriches like there's so many cases out there of kids being raised by different animals and it's crazy and sad to me that she literally would have been better off had she been raised by one of those animals than her own father um but you can thank my little sister josie for today's case she brought it up to me um it's also been all over tiktok lately and i'm not really sure why um but I mean, talking about this stuff is cool and we should learn about it. But this case actually also, um, how many times can I say words? <laughs> um, this case ended up making a lot of progress in like childhood developmental, I don't know, things. Um, it showed doctors that if kids are around things that are more than a few inches away from their face, they won't be able to see when they're older. Um, it also showed that, like, language is definitely learned. It's not just one of those things that we have evolved into knowing. Uh, it also showed how much our body is affected by how much we use it when we're young. Um, Jeannie was never able to stand up completely straight, and she was often described as walking like a rabbit. Like, her her hands always were up by her chest, um... And her, her back was always hunched over super short or super, I don't know. I, she walked like a rabbit on its hind legs. The most that she was ever able to stand up in her crib was just the amount that she could underneath that metal sheet. And then when she wasn't in that crib, she was in the potty chair in the sitting position. It just, I don't know. This case showed doctors a lot about, um, kind of what different circumstances could do to children. And also, uh, it showed them ways that certain ailments could be, I don't know, avoided, I guess. I'm not really sure. I'm talking out of my behind right now, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed today's case. It's another short one. I promise eventually I'm going to get my ish together and give you guys a long case because you deserve it and you guys are amazing and I love you so much and I almost have 300 followers on my Instagram page at crochet and crime podcast. Um, which is insane to me. I don't know. I just started this as like a fun hobby and now it's a real thing and I'm getting paid kind of to do. I mean, I'm not getting paid a lot. Let's, let's be real here, but it's definitely making me a nice side business. Um, and it's all because of you. So thank you for being weird with me and listening. And I know I try to be sappy at the end of every episode, but it's late. I'm tired, super sappy, whatever. <sighs> Lock your doors. Don't talk to creepy men. I love you. Don't abuse your kids, please. And if you suspect that a kid's being abused, please call it in. As adults, I mean, I know that all not all of us are mandated reporters, but 
as adults, I feel like all of us should be mandated reporters. Um, if you see something that's spooky, whether it be with a child or with a, with someone that's dating someone, I don't know, call it in. It's call it in for the people that can't. Okay. I'm done on my soapbox. <laughs> Good night.